0: Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Some of you are naked this morning. Some of you are facing peril this morning. Some of you are experiencing hardship this morning. This word is for you. This word is for me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced. This is what I stand on my brothers and my sisters. Just like Paul, I am convinced that neither death, some of you are stuck because somebody you loved died, neither death nor life, angels or demons, some of you have demons in your life right now. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present or the future. Some of you are worried because you don't know what the future holds. And some of you don't have a clue about this moment, this present moment. Are you hearing this? Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Paul's saying, if I haven't covered it, let me just say everything. Right? Anything else in all creation will not separate you, will not separate me from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen? God loves us. I've been the the Bethel Music Extravagant song has been on repeat. And it is. His love is so extravagant, we can't comprehend it, we can't understand it. But I just want you to know that God loves you, and you are being honored and blessed because you showed up this morning. You are here in worship, and God honors us with our little moves of honor and respect and worship and obedience. You know, this this series on discipleship is tough stuff. And God reminded me as I was preparing this week that yes, he calls us to a deeper and deeper level of living out our faith, a deeper and deeper level of worship, of service, of witness. But with that, he continues to pour on more and more of his love and his grace in his mercy. I had this vision of him this morning just saying, yeah, you're my kid. Yes, you're doing it right. Yes. He's saying that to you this morning. Yes, I love you. Yes, keep on. Come on. And you know how it is. As parents, as as loved ones, as as aunts and uncles and grandparents, you want what's best for your kids you school teachers you want what's best for the for your students and because of that you hold them to a high standard that's what God wants for us He's saying, I don't want you to remain in this complacent, lukewarm state. I want you to continue to grow. I want you to continue to move forward on that path of transformation. I don't want you to remain the same. And because of my desire for you to grow, you're going to have to do some work. Right? And this discipleship stuff is all about peeling off another layer especially that stuff that we thought we had dealt with and we've been there, done that, and we're good. If we are truly growing in Jesus, our Lord and Savior, then he's going to get us to a place where we are ready to do the next step of work. It doesn't stop. The neat thing, God knows we're not perfect. That's why he sent Jesus That's why he sent Jesus to die for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. He knew we were an imperfect, sinful people. But yet, he loved us enough to give us Jesus, the blood of Jesus shed for us, to give us Jesus who who showed us, who led us, guide us, is continuing continuing to teach us through the active word of God, living and active, so that we might continue on this path of transformation. Oh, what a word he has for us today. So, being disciples, being followers of Jesus Christ. Last week we started off this three-week series, and I talked about falling upward living a life in such a way that we die to self, that we, we have a, a mindset of self-surrender and of self-sacrifice and of service. And I quoted one of my favorite theologians, Richard Rohr, and he said this, to move forward, there is always something that you must let go of, that must be moved beyond, given up, forgiven, in order to enter the larger picture, and the larger picture would be our path of transformation, being being disciples of Jesus Christ the way he is calling us to live. So today, we're here to acknowledge the fact and to admit that we make a lot of excuses in our faith journey, along our faith journey. We often put following Jesus on our terms. We put limits or conditions into what it means to be a disciple, a follower. So we're going to look at that. And and I just have to remind you that as we look, open up the best you are able to let the Holy Spirit truly pierce your heart, to get at your mind, to get between emotions and will, to get between soul and spirit as the the Word of God says so that we can continue to learn and grow. Some truths. The first one is this. We can experience the kingdom of God here on this earth. It's not just a wait till you get to heaven, wait till you are in the presence of God. We pray it every time we pray the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. If we're truly desiring what we're praying, then we want to see glimpses of God's kingdom, of God's glory here on this earth. So it is truly a both and. And God is inviting us and and asking us to participate in the blessings that he has for us. But our human condition is that we make excuses. We want it to be according to our plan, according to our agenda. We put the business of everyday life above God's plan, God's claim, God's promises, God's call, God's kingdom for our life. Let me tell you that again. I firmly believe that we put the business of everyday life above God's claim, his, the claim of his on our life, his promises, his purpose, his call. Because you see, as humans, as flawed, as broken, wounded, sinful people, we want to do it our way. This is what happens in our parables that we're going to look at today. You see, it's, it's a party. It's God's party, and we are invited to that, but we're going to see ourselves in that party because people make excuses. They have already committed to God, but yet when he says, come to the party, do stuff with me, then they have all kinds of excuses. Let's pray. God, I just simply ask that you would open your scripture to us and make it so real that we might learn, see, feel, experience something new. We do believe that your word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. So use that double-edged sword, oh God, to get in between our mind, our will, our emotions, and our spirit. Unify our spirit with your spirit so that we could truly learn, so that we could truly grow and change. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Amen. Turn to Luke 14. Luke 14, we're going to continue on in Luke, and I'm going to go a couple places in Luke today, actually. Luke 14, we're going to start with the 16th verse. Jesus said, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. This is God's party. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, come. For everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. I call this self-interest because I don't know anybody, anybody who would buy a field sight unseen. I believe that if we're going to buy a field, then we would have checked it out we would have seen what it was about. So this is an excuse of self-interest. Verse 19, another guy said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. I call this, oh, he says, please excuse me. I call this self-will. Again, five yoke of oxen. I grew up on a farm. My dad would never buy cattle or hogs sight unseen. He had to go check them out. He needed to make sure that he was getting what he was paying for. I don't believe that anybody would just buy oxen and have to just then go check it out. I believe this is an excuse of self-will. Verse 20, still another said, I just, get ma- I just got married so I can't come. I've labeled this self-love. You know, scholars talk about Jewish customs and how the marriage betrothal and the marriage ceremony lasted a year and the guys wouldn't have to report to military service a distant war for a whole year because of of their newly uh, married state. But this wasn't a war in a distant land. This was a banquet that they had signed up for I firmly believe that God had sent out the invitation. Jesus had sent out the invitation in this story. If you get what I mean, are you tracking with me? And when Jesus said, come on, they said, oh, but wait a minute. That doesn't fit into my schedule. That's not what I had planned. Wait a minute. Uh, let me tell you how I think it should go. Hmm. Verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. You see, the owner is God in this parable. The servant is Jesus. And all of the other folks are the Gentiles. Because you see, the whole kingdom of God is being opened up to anybody and to everybody. But yet in this story, human beings are making excuses. Verse 22, sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has already been done, but there's still room. That's the good news. There is still room in God's kingdom. All are welcome At the banquet, all are welcome at God's party. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I would love to stop there. Verse 24, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. What does that mean? Where does the love of God come in there? The love of God comes in with responsibility, with a matter of commitment. God had given out an invitation through Jesus, his son. People are saying, yes, I will come to the party. And then they get to the day of the party. Jesus says, come on in, the party is ready. The banquet is set. And the people are saying, oh, wait a minute, I, I, I got it. I got stuff to do. I can feel and put myself in this story. I know you're right there with me. To dig a little deeper, go back to Luke 9. Luke 9, uh, we'll start with verse 57. Luke 9, verse 57. As they were walking along the road, uh, Jesus and a bunch of folks were heading toward Jerusalem, a man said to him, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. I will, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replies, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So let's let's dig into this a bit. Let me find what page I'm on. First of all, some things that this is teaching us about discipleship number 1. Often following Jesus is not easy or comfortable. I know that's nothing new, but I just have to remind you of that that we are called to a deeper level of commitment. We are called to a higher level of expectation. Jesus said, you know, foxes have dens, foxes have holes. I don't have a place to to lay my head. Jesus was telling his followers, this world isn't my home. If we have truly made the commitment to Jesus Christ our Lord, then we are claiming that this world is not our home, that this is a temporary place for us. I don't know about you, but I often get so caught up in the permanency of my life, of what's going to happen when and how I want it to happen, that I lose sight that this is not my home. Number two, Jesus' followers are called to rank the priorities of God's kingdom over family. Let me go bury my father, the guy said. Some scholars don't even believe that his father had died, but he was waiting until things were going to be convenient or perfect. That's one. We'll wait for the two others to drop. Jesus was was reminding us that we often say, wait, let me take care of things And when, when I got my act together, when I have enough money, or when things are the way I thought they would be, when things are perfect, or when, when things are all in line, then I will do what you asked me to do. Whew. Here again, the Jewish burial customs, or the basic family obligation, expanded over a whole year. So when he said, "Let me go bury my father, whether the father was dead or not," he's saying, "Wait a minute, God, I, I, I got, to, I, give me a year, then check back with me, and I'll see if I'm ready to commit to you." Oh boy, this is hitting me between the eyes. Number three, discipleship should take precedence over everything. You hear how it's so countercultural. We keep saying that. Remember that old camp song, I have decided to follow Jesus? No turning back. No turning back. Our human condition is that we keep turning back. The good news about God is that he never leaves us. He keeps saying, come on, kid. Come on. Come on. Come on back to me. Come home. Come on. You can do this. You're not alone. I've given Jesus so that you might be able to live in the Holy Spirit. The power and the authority of me lives in you. You're not called to do it by yourself. I believe this is an indication that we need to discover whether we have made a half-hearted commitment or we have a single-minded purpose. We're imperfect. We're going to mess up. That's a given. But what are your intentions? Are you just going to be a Jesus follower when things are convenient? When there's nothing better to do? When, when all of the stars are aligned? Are you going to make a choice? to fall upward, to deny self, to deny your plans and ideas and even hopes and dreams and and lay them all before the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Discipleship, being a follower of Jesus takes precedence over everything. It's It's an example about taking precedence over family, but I will never forget the day. I wish I would have journaled which day it was. I was driving in for an eight o'clock class in seminary. I was coming around the curve. I was before Turner Stadium, and I was worshiping. I I don't know what I was listening to, but I remember I had the, the radio cranked loud. And all of a sudden, in my spirit, it wasn't an audible voice, but I heard God ask me, will you sacrifice Emily and Rachel, my daughters, just like Abraham sacrificed Isaac or was willing to? Immediately, split second, I said, yes, Lord. And then I thought, I mean, I shuddered as I was driving, because I thought, what have I just said? What have I just done? But that was the Holy Spirit reminding me that these beloved gifts are not mine. I have been given such incredible gifts. They've grown into incredible women. But they're not mine. And so often, I let my world Circle around them or circle around my hopes and dreams for our family or for other stuff about my life. And if I am truly going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then I'm going to put everything in realignment with Jesus as my priority. Number four, I can't do this on my own. You can't either, I'm just saying. I know some of you are really confident, powerful people, but you can't do this on your own. And it comes only when we trust that God is truly with us and with our loved ones. It comes with the kind of trust that is is jumping off a cliff kind of trust. And Trusting that no matter what happens, no matter what you and I are going through, no matter what life throws at us, trusting that God is with us. And finally, in order to have that trust, I believe, and this is what I've been working on, I believe that we have to ask God to help us let go of attachments and aversions. So let me tell you what I believe attachments are. Attachments are those things that we cling to. It could be a person. It could be a thing. It could be many things. But the stuff that we cling to so that we can possess, that we have control of our life. Attachments give us a perceived sense of control. Attachments, this is where it really, mm, this is where it really gets me. Attachments, I believe, are the ties that make us comfortable. Because you and I want to be comfortable in our life. Whether it is our priority of family, of work, of career, of school, of where you're going to go to college or who you're going to marry or how many kids you're going to have or how much money you're going to have when. All of those, I believe, are attachments. They are the foundation of our excuses I put a, a note here, they're our butts, B-U-T-S. I I will follow you, Jesus, but I got to check on my oxen. I will follow you, Jesus, but I got to go check out that field. I, I want to follow you, Jesus, but hey, I just got married. I want to follow you, but we got to lose our butts. All right, what's an aversion? You know what it is. It's what we dislike. It's what we disdain. It's what we don't want to do. I have a lot of aversions on my walk with Jesus. There are a lot of things, like I said last week, no job is too low, and there are a lot of things that I, I, I do a lot of complaining about. What, what do you have an aversion toward? What do you dislike that Jesus is saying, uh-uh, stay right here. This is where I need you to stay. In order for you to peel off that next layer, in order for me to chip some more places of that hardened heart away, you need to stay right here. Some of you are in places in life that you never thought you'd be. You didn't sign up for this. You may have an aversion to your life as it is today. God is calling you, God is calling me to trust that he is right here with us right now. What are your excuses? What are your attachments? What are your aversions? Because you see, discipleship, as I read at the beginning of this message, requires letting go. We sang about being overwhelmed. I often hear people when they're coming, you know, just kind of spewing to me. I'm so overwhelmed. All that's coming at me. I often feel that way. But God has reminded me that we should ask him to overwhelm us with his presence. We don't need to continue to put focus on what all of this stuff from the world that overwhelms us, all of this stuff that isn't what we signed up for. Ask God to overwhelm you with his presence. I want more of you. I let go of the stuff that I want. I want you, oh God. Letting go means that we are truly responding to God and wanting to commune with Him. We want more of the Holy Spirit within us. We want more of that power and authority. We want more of that connection because our attachments, our possessions, our control, our aversions are all obstacles to our discipleship, to our being stand firm, disciples of Jesus Christ. Letting go motivates us into action. You see, we can't do this on our own, but when we let go, it's not my will but thine, O Lord, then people start to see evidence of the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, that's nothing that we can come up with on our own. But when we let go and say, I can't do this, oh God, when we ask him to overwhelm us with his presence, with his strength, with his confidence, then that fruit starts to bud and starts to grow. Letting go, not my will but thine, convicts us of our inaction, it's in the letting go that God reminds us of where we have not done what he has called us to do. It, it kind of confirms also where he's calling us, and it shines light on the void in our life of where we need to move forward instead of being stuck in, in our stage of life. Now, I just have to say, I believe that the, our basic needs, those, those innate human needs for power and control and safety and security and esteem and affection, all of that stuff is natural. That's a human thing. And sometimes it's very, very necessary, but it crosses the line into an attachment or, a, or, or an aversion. When it demands, it becomes a demand in our life. When, when there becomes an exaggerated expression of the power, the control, or, or the need for affirmation, or the need for safety and security. Does that make sense to you? Often in my spiritual practice in the morning during my time of, of not only basking in God's presence, but study and, and, and listening and soaking and, and praying I, I pray what's called the welcoming prayer. And I, I used that in here before, but I've kind of adapted an excerpt of that because this is where I feel God is calling us if we are going to have no more excuses. And it would sound something like this. Right now, right here, oh God, I let go of my desire for power and my desire for control For some of you, I could stop right there. I'm trying not to look at anybody. (laughs) Right now, in this moment, I let go of my desire for affection, my desire for esteem, approval, and pleasure. Right now, in this moment, I let go of my desire for survival and security right here right now I let go of my desire to change my situation to change my person myself or any other person do you hear what this is it's an utter all over emptying it's a falling upward and then I feel sure that God is calling us to pray. I open up to your love and presence. I open up to your Holy Spirit within me. I want you to overwhelm me with your presence, with your guidance, with your authority. I submit to you, O oh God. It's the hardest prayer I ever pray. I let go, I surrender. I trust you, I have faith in you, I want to follow you, help me to be your disciple. That's where God's calling us, my friends, and God is saying, come on, I love you, little bits at a time, come on, you can do this, don't stay stuck. So let me ask you this, what are your excuses? What are your attachments and aversions? What is keeping you from the next level of being a follower of Jesus? What are are the obstacles? Where are you choosing to stay comfortable regarding the way you live out your faith? Where are you choosing to stay tied to stuff? or to people, or to where it always has been. I'm going to call the band to get ready, and this is where I need you to get out your trusty little pieces of paper. (laughs) Because the bottom line is we have an invitation to God's party. We have an invitation to be blessed beyond measure, to participate in God's kingdom here on earth as in heaven. We have, many of us, I don't know about all of you, but many of us have already said yes to that invitation. That means that we have already said, yes, Lord Jesus, I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. But many of us have chosen to stay there, and we are keeping ties to something or someone. We have decided that because we don't like to do something, that's enough so as we sing it's king of my heart it's intentional if we're truly going to be jesus followers then we say that he is lord of our lives that he is in charge that he is king over all of our life so as we sing i can't make you do this but i so feel that god wants you to do this write your attachments write your obstacles your excuses I'm going to and put them down at the foot of the cross and yes I'm going to read them I went back and forth with having a big old ugly trash can at the cross I had had ideas of this nice cute little basket and just this morning God said you take them and for at least a week you pray over them So it's not that I'm trying to get in your business, but I'm going to be obedient to God. And I'm going to take your attachments, I'm going to take your excuses, your aversions, and every single day I'm going to lift them up to our Lord and Savior Jesus. Because we are not created to do this by ourselves. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, it's so hard to let go. We think we know so much, and we think we're so far along on this path. Yet you are calling us to the next level. You're calling us to surrender, to let go, to say that you truly are Lord of our lives, King of our hearts. So I simply pray that my brothers and sisters would would have the courage To acknowledge what you are bringing to their attention. And that you would help them to make the first step in letting go. In the name of Jesus, amen. I encourage you then, after you've left it, to just spend some time in prayer. This is a journey. This is a journey.